video I'm going to show here, and it's uh, Francis Chan is, I don't want to say one of my heroes in, in the faith, but he's a guy that I, I look up to. And his pastor is John Piper. And um, when I show you this video, I, I want you to be prepared because I wasn't really prepared when I heard it the first time in church, I guess, maybe just because that felt different. But um, he uses the word C-R-A-P, talking about a specific um, gospel that's out there. So I want you to be prepared if you hear that. I don't want everybody to, you know, don't get, don't get all offended about it. I want you to, just, I want you to understand his, his emotions about what he's saying and why he says that. But this morning... I want to talk to just just briefly this morning about the area of giving. And in the area of giving, I told Mar- uh, uh, Glenn early on, I said, Glenn, I, this is one of those areas I don't like to preach about. I, I, don't, I don't like talking about money. I don't like talking about giving because I see it so abused on TV. I see it abused um, in church. Let's be honest. I mean, I'll be honest with you. The, probably the... the the biggest problem I have is because in churches, I believe it, it's been so, you know, whether it's telephones or whatever it is, it seems as though every time you turn on the TV, on Christian TV especially, it's, it's talking about giving. But to this morning, whatever you want to call it, tithing, offering, the giving, our attitude of giving is more than just this gift. It's, I'm, I'm not going to command you today. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not even going to try to sell you on giving. Um, selling you on giving is exactly what I'm talking about, this prosperity gospel. And first of all, what, what, what giving is not. I don't know what you feel about the prosperity gospel, the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel, but I'll tell you what I feel about it. Hatred. It is not the gospel. And it's being exported from this country to Africa and Asia, selling a bill of goods to the poorest of the poor. Believe this message. Your pigs won't die. Your wife won't have miscarriages. You have rings on your fingers and coats on your back. That's coming out of America. The people that ought to be giving our money and our time and our lives instead selling them a bunch of crap called gospel. And here's the reason it is so horrible. When was the last time that any American, African, Asian ever said, Jesus is all satisfying because you drove a BMW? Never. They'll say, Jesus give you that? Yeah. Well, I'll take Jesus. That's idolatry. That's not the gospel. That's elevating gifts above giver through the deepest possible pain. God is enough. God is enough. He is good. He will take care of us. He will satisfy us. He will get us through this. He is our treasure. Whom have I in heaven but you and on earth? There's nothing that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart my little girl may fail, but you are the strength of my heart and my portion forever. That makes God look glorious. As God, not as giver of cars or safety or health. Oh, how I pray that America would be purged of the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel and that the Christian church would be marked by suffering for Christ. 
God is most glorified in you when you are most satisfied in Him in the midst of loss, not frustration. So this morning, what I'm trying to say is this, is what, what giving is not. I want to make it clear that I do not believe this. I do not believe that just because you give, that, that God is going to make you wealthy. He's going to make everything work out for you. You may give and you may go through the biggest trial of your life. You may be a giver and you may have to, you may have to suffer persecution. Let's look at the, the men of the Bible, the disciples. Every one of them, with the exception of one, died badly. Thrown from the temple, the, the temple uh, uh, roof. Boiled in oil. Crucified upside down. Tell me about a gospel that says everything is going to be great. I'm going to tell you what, that is a fool's gold. It is fool's gold gospel. This morning, I'm uncomfortable because of the abuses, but I have deemed that I have to, if I don't talk about this, that I will do a discredit to God. I will do a discredit to the Word of God. So as I, I talk about this this morning after I met with Pastor Mark about this, and he had, in fact, some of the things that I'm going to say to you today are borrowed from a message that he just recently preached because he's been going through a series on stewardship. So where did it all begin? The offering plate. Let's think about, let's see where that starts. Do you know that the passing of the plate or the collection of the offering hasn't always been a standard feature of Sunday morning worship? Surprised? Me too. That's why we're talking about the offering plate on this episode of Chuck Knows Church. Passing the plate is a way the ushers on Sunday come around and collect the gifts to the church. And it's not always a plate, actually. Uh, it could be a basket. Or a wooden box, I suppose. A tambourine? Really? Alright, I guess if you can put money in it, uh, an usher can pass it. It's hard to imagine, uh, but passing the plate wasn't always necessary to financially support the church. Not until the late 1800s did churches actually count on voluntary contributions to keep their doors open. You see, just like it was in Europe, the new government of colonial America established, sanctioned, and financially supported the church. Colonists couldn't see it any, any differently. <clears throat> A prosperous society depends upon having citizens of good character. And where else would this good character come from but the church, of course. Except, in 1833, Massachusetts became the last state to rescind its religious taxes. So by then, congregations in the United States had to rely solely on their members for financial support. Pastors came up with all sorts of ways to survive the free market of the 19th century America. Uh, for example, many churches actually sold a pew to their members. That way, a congregant could sleep in, come to church late, and still have a good seat. Then, after the Civil War, something new became popular. Pastors began teaching the biblical principle of tithing. God gives unto us 
and we give back to God one-tenth of all that He's blessed us with. Just like that. An act of worship and a commitment to God. That sounds like the right answer to me. Still, it would be nice to sleep in a little on Sundays. Oh well. To learn more, ask your pastor. Tell him Chuck sent you. So this morning what I want to do is I want to look it's at... Not a, I want to look at Luke chapter 10, verse 25. We've probably heard this story about the Good Samaritan, but I've never heard it really in line with, with giving. So in Luke chapter 10, verse 25, we'll begin there. It says, one, On one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must, I do, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And in reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, leaving him almost half dead. The priest happened to go by down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then he put on the man on his own donkey, brought him into an inn and took care of him. The next day he took him out, took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. There are three types of people involved here. The first one is this. What's yours is mine and I'm going to take it. These are takers. These are people who believe they deserve better. Entitlement. If I can't have it given to me, I'm going to go take it. They're suggestors. They're ones that say, um, well, you can see that I don't have enough. They'll drop hints um, suddenly, you know, it makes sure everybody knows that, that they're not quite making. Takers are those who don't really want to work for it. They want everything handed to them. I'm a child of God. I deserve better, better than this. Takers are manipulators who put the odds in their own favors. The area between Jericho and Jerusalem was about a 15-mile journey. It was over rugged rocks and stuff like that. And along the way, there were a lot of places where they called them highwaymen. I call them trolls. Would wait for the unsuspecting, and then they would rob them. They would beat them up, and they would take their money from them as they were passing along the way. These men, that's how they made their living. Highwaymen, trolls. Takers. The second type of person we see in this story is what's mine is mine and I'm going to keep it. The priest who came by. See, they didn't want to share what they had. They, they worked out. We worked hard for it after all. It's theirs. Now let me say a word here to those who are entrusting to others. I want to say this about, you know what? There are things that God has given us. And I believe that God has given us certain things and that we are, are required to steward those things. And 
let's say, for instance, you have a friend who he constantly wants to borrow things. And he doesn't bring them back in the same condition that he took them. I don't have a problem with you telling him no. Okay? That's not, I don't believe that's being a good steward if I, say, if I go ahead and give it to him and he just, he continually wrecks it. I know how he's going to treat it. I said it a couple weeks back when I talked about restitution and how we're, how we're supposed to treat things. We should bring it back better than we've got it. So just as a little side note there. And let's say that, that this also goes along with the church. See, a lot of times in churches, we feel like, oh, what's mine is mine. This place belongs to me. This carpet, we put it in. You don't understand. And, and sometimes we'll actually offend people who come into the church by being with this, with this my mindset attitude. A young man came to the church. Some time back, he brought in a cup of coffee. He didn't know. There's no signs on the door that say, don't drink coffee. He'd been to another church where they do. They have donuts, they have coffee in the church, and he thought it was normal. Somebody jumped on him here, and he said, I'm not coming back. Now see, when, when we have an ad, I, I'll tell you this right now, I would much rather have a stained little piece of, place of coffee here and somebody who knows the Lord than worry about my carpet now, yes, I, so you're going to see here, I have a balance in this. Yes, I believe that God entrusts us with certain things and we need to care for them. This church building, our homes, our cars even. I say about my truck out there, it's the rapture truck. I'm not getting another one. That's my last truck. <laughs> so I take care of it. I treat it a little better because I know that, you know what, this is going to last till the rapture. And that could be quick. Or it could be a little ways away. But either way, I want to be prepared. But we as Christians, this is, uh, even in the church, and, I'm, and maybe I'm speaking to our, our, our deacons here, just for, when, when we have a mindset that says, it's mine, it belongs to me, don't let that, I'm going to tell you right, with our, if our heart is not towards giving, even in the midst of the church, we won't, be, we won't receive back. We are going to see ourselves constantly battling, trying to, trying to, to make it. The last type of person here. What is mine is yours, and I'm going to give it. They're the giver, givers. They're, they're the Samaritan. Now, this is why Jesus told this story. I want you to think about the priest and the Levite. Now, the priest, here's his excuse. Listen, I've got, I can't touch you. I can't touch anything bloody because then I become unclean. So, I'm going to church. I've got I to stay clean. The Levite, who's, who's the, the priestly tribe, they're there to serve the priest. So he's like, hey, I've got, I've got business going on. Too. I, can't, I can't get there. I've got, I've, got a, I've, got a, I've got an agenda to keep. The Samaritan, though, this is the part that's very interesting. The Samaritans were looked down on by Jews. They did not like them. They were a lower class of citizen. You would, you would actually... Uh, if you were in that time, you would actually associate more with a Gentile than you would even a, a Samaritan. Because you did not like how they, they operated. So, of those three, takers, keepers, and givers, Jesus ended it with this and He says, listen, go and do likewise. A giving heart is what will change things. See, if we understand this in Psalms 24, 1, it says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Second, 1 Corinthians 10, 26, it reiterates, it says, The earth is the Lord's 
and everything in it. The principle is that everything belongs to God. God is the owner and I am the manager. He has entrusted us with all we have, all that we will be. And He wants to see if we will handle it carefully. Will we steward it? He has entrusted us with His house. He has entrusted us with this responsibility. I wanted us to understand today, it's not just about 10%. He's entrusting us with everything and how we handle that. It's a lot like my, the business I, I run during the week at Sequoia Dawn. It's not my business. It's not my, my money. But I treat it as though, I told the owner, I said, I treat this place. When I go and spend money or I do anything here, I treat it as though it was mine. It's his. He's, he's got the ultimate authority with it. But he's entrusted me to run it. See, that's what God has done with you. The money you have, you think sometimes it's mine. Or the car you have, the house you have, it is not yours, it's God's. He's entrusted you to see how you're going to deal with it, how you're going to take care of it, and what you're going to give away. In Luke chapter 14, verse 33, it says, In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything, you cannot be my disciples. Everything is His. It's entrusted to us. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. See, God is not interested in our leftovers. He's not even interested in the excess. He wants the first. He wants the best. We operate from this place. See, the very first check we write every month should be to God. How important is the Lord to you? I can be measured by your checkbook. See, we barely give Him leftovers. The usual human approach is to serve myself and the world, and then whatever is left, I'll throw a few scraps to God. I'll pray if I have time left over at the end of my busy day. I'll read Scripture if it doesn't interfere with my watching the sports events or soap operas. I'll put money in the collection plate after I've paid my mortgage, my Sears bill, my magazine's prescriptions. My cigarettes. My alcohol. See, if I follow the teachings of God as long as they don't interfere with my, my political or my worldview, So God barely gets leftovers from most of us. Luke 16.10 says, Whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. What am I doing with, I, with what I've been given right now? Maybe you say, well, I don't have much. That's okay. Give. I have a lot. Okay, give more. With the measure you have right now, give out of that. Jesus said this in Matthew 10, 8, says, freely you've received, freely give. See, it's not the quality of life. It's not measured by our duration, but by its donation. When, when we give the food away over at Sequoidon, see, one of the things I think is, it's, it's this very principle. I don't have to buy it. God gives it to me, and then I get to give it away. What a principle. He's showing us that that's the very principle He's saying for us. I'm going to give you this. Everything that you have, I've given you. Now all you have to do is give it away. What a principle if we would just live by that. See, the lawyer who questioned Jesus, he was asking this question. He says, who exactly is my neighbor? See, he'd done all these other things, and then he says, but he wanted to justify himself. He says, how am I going to gain eternal life? The usual tactic of our flesh is to argue about the very meaning. Who... Who exactly are you telling me is my neighbor? See, that's how we operate. Well, wait, wait, wait. Are you, are you, saying, are you saying this? Yeah. 
He is saying this. He seeks to quibble over the, the precise definition of, of, of neighbor to try to keep it as small and as minimal as possible. <laughs> trust God. Test God and trust God attitude. Malachi 3, 8 and 10 says, will, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you, have, you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Test God in this area. See if He doesn't provide the blessing. Some of you said, well, I have. And you know what? As soon as I did, the enemy came along and, and devoured everything up. But you know what then? That just means I needed to give more. Philippians chapter 4, verse 17, it says, Paul says this, he says, not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. The Living Bible says it like this, though I appreciate your gifts, Paul is saying this, he's appreciating all the things that they've done. What makes me happiest is the well-earned reward you will have because of your giving. So what's your attitude this morning about giving? Are you a taker, a keeper, or a giver? Matthew 6.21 says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Giving is... It's not God's way of raising money. It is, not, it is God's way of raising people into the likeness of Christ. 2 Corinthians 9-7 says, 9, says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. This is one of the reasons why I don't like even passing the plate, because I believe it, it brings people into a place of compulsion. The guy next to me, oh, I just saw him put his, his check in there. Well, if I don't put in something, then what's going You know, I, I don't want people to give reluctantly. Or the New American Standard Bible says grudgingly. I don't like it. I would rather, honestly, I would rather have a box in the back and I would rather people be able to give as they are stirred by the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, the verse right before this says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. I will not tell you how much to give. Some of you say, well, 10%. No, the New Testament per, per principle is really to give it all. Cheerfully. I've been in churches where the, the offering time is the longest session in church. It's a long appeal. It's a pleading. It's like we're on TV. It's like a, a telethon of giving. I promise you that that will never be my heart here. But I will tell you this. There is a, a principle that God give, gave us. As I sow into the kingdom, I will reap a harvest. I'm not sowing because I'm going to get a harvest. I, I sow because he, he told me that he promises that this is what's going to happen. And I know this because I struggled with this area in my life for years. My wife even said one time, because I would say, well, you know, I'm giving all of my time. And that and I was. But truthfully, until it dug into my pocketbook, it felt a little different. And then as I began to give, even just starting off a small amount regularly, God began to bless me. God began to bless me. And, and, and eventually, I got into a position where, you know, now I, I don't even miss it. It's, so, it's gone before I even know. I, I, it's part of, my, it's part of my, the nature of my checkbook. So to this morning, I'm, I don't, I'm not telling you this to make you feel guilty. I don't want you to go, okay, Greg's just putting it on top of us. No, 
what this is this morning is this, I want you to realize that this principle of giving God is, is, and maybe, you know what, maybe it just starts off with just something small. Greg, you don't understand, I barely make it. I know. Then just start off small. Because you know what, if you've got small, God's okay with you giving small. God's looking for that, that, act, that act of faith. Remember last week I talked about in James, he says, you know, it's not that we merely listen to the word. Remember I talked about the fact that, that there are those who are challenged, but they're not changed. You're not putting money in my pocket, but you're putting money into the kingdom of God when you give to the Lord. You're sowing into souls. Thanks a lot, Greg. Now you put some more heavy weight on us. What I'd like to do today, if you guys would come, I'm going to take this little podium and put it at the back. Instead of us this morning handing a plate, if God stirred your heart, I want you to be able to give not out of compulsion, not grudgingly, not reluctantly, but because you, God's calling you to give. It doesn't bother me if there's nothing in the plate, to be honest with you guys. I'm not raising, I'm not building a church, I'm not building a, a, a fund. God, God doesn't even really need it, to be honest with you. He's looking to see if we'll follow through with our faith. So this morning, I'm going to set this at the back. We're going to worship together. And, um, and we'll close the service.